Greetings, troubled listeners, and welcome back to the Troubled Men podcast. I am Renee Coleman, sitting in my safe house on the line with my co-host, the original troubled man for troubled times and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny. Hey, what's up? Not too much, man. How are you? I'm all right. Yeah, you were under the a little under the weather there, but you're you're uh, feeling better. No, I'm not. Oh, I'm oh. not feeling better. I'm sorry to hear that. Has the has the uh, the staff physician, the troubled men podcast staff physician, been been uh, able to to offer any assistance in this? Or he has no help whatsoever. He doesn't deal really? with this stuff. He's just a primary huh. physician. He can't deal with what I'm dealing with. So no, I I have to go to a, a physical therapist, physical specialist. To deal oh, with okay. this. You know, okay. he's not going to know what the fuck to do about this. He's just going to refer me to somebody else. Oh, okay. You know? That's basically it. So, no, uh, no. Uh, but he's all right. He's a good guy. He is a good guy. He is a good guy. I'm actually due for, uh, for my annual coming up here. Now, you said when you had your annual, he did it virtually, right? No, I went and saw him. Oh, you did? Oh, okay. Yeah. No, oh, I all right. went and saw him. Oh, I thought you were saying he sent you a glove in the mail and, uh, <laughs> and no, no. Told, told you to self-examine. No, no, no. That's that's pretty funny, right there. Yeah. Anyway, you know, uh, something that happened last week when we were recording the show, but it didn't quite make it on the show, is we lost an icon of New Orleans television. Who's that? Morgus the Magnificent. Never heard of him. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, he was a like a television host, a horror movie host. And mm-hmm. he, he played uh, this character, the like sort of a mad scientist character, Morgus, Dr. Morgus. And uh, he had a crazy sort of Einstein type wig on and uh, deep set eyes and a, a dirty lab coat. And he had a, uh, a whole set that was decorated with uh, um, cast off charity hospital, uh, medical equipment. And he had a, a sidekick, an assistant named Chopsley, who wore a, an executioner's uniform, had a hood on. He was a mute, and he would just kind of nod and and uh, assist Dr. Morgus. And, you know, they would host like a Frankenstein movie or, you know, Dracula, other kinds of black and white horror films. And uh, he was so popular that, that uh, there's... Our, our guest from a couple of weeks ago mentioned that he had had done the Morgus song with Dr. John, who uh, Mac Rabinac, you know, uh, Dr. John's real name, Mac Rabinac, had written and recorded the Morgus theme song back in the early 60s. It was kind of a local hit. So we lost Morgus uh, last Thursday. It's a, a terrible I'm sorry loss. to hear that. I really am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> sorry to hear that. Okay, Morgus. Now, uh, uh, Paul, have, are you familiar with the with the song "Morgus the Magnificent"? You bet. Oh, okay, so good, good, good. We had a guy um, named Doctor Cadaverino that was uh, okay. our our Morgus up in okay. Milwaukee. Right on. Well, now Manny, uh, there was a a, a similar c- character that this reminds me of that I saw from uh, the in L.A. like in the eighties. It was uh, Doctor Franklin Rule. Did you ever see him? Nope, doesn't ring about. Oh. We had Elvira, but I don't. Re- right. I don't remember Doctor Franklin Rule. Yeah, I, he was more of a uh, 
I guess a cable access phenomenon in 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 L.A. But he was he was pretty entertaining, you know. Same he he wasn't a mad scientist, but he was played. I guess he was just an actor, but he he had this uh, sort of you know cryptozoologist uh, um, thanatologist uh, shtick he would do, and he would take letters. Anyway, I thought you might have been familiar with him. Yeah, not familiar um, with him. Okay, well, uh, moving on, uh, other local color. Did you see the Chris Rose article about you? I was told about it, yes. I haven't read it, but I, I, I was told about it through people I know. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I heard about it. It was the, uh, the uh, uh, people watching. Right. Of, uh, the, the, what's that? Mag- what was the magazine called? I think it's it's I think it's New Orleans magazine. But the yeah. website is the website is my dot com. Right. Yeah. It's New Orleans magazine. And every September they have people to watch issue. And uh, Chris wrote a great piece about me. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, it just goes to show right, you and that that you're, you're just riding my coattails. <laughs> you know, you know. I always have been, Manny. You yeah, know, it's, uh, uh, this show would uh, be nothing without me, and, and you and I could end it in minutes if I wanted to. Okay, okay, you know. Manny. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, he's a good guy. Uh, I heard it was really good. It, 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 it you know, he uh, about the people watching. He because uh, there's always people to watch for their new issue, and they they have young doctors, young lawyers, young hookers, young crackheads. Mm-hmm. You know, young criminals to look out for on this issue. And Chris has a uh, page 12 uh, uh, story that he always does. And he did it about me. And uh, I hear it's great. And, um, you know, he's a good guy. And uh, he, and uh, as far as I heard it, he, um, he nailed it. And, and he's getting good responses from it and stuff like that. Yeah, so it's very nice. He, he, uh, he set it up, you know, he said, you know, with your your slogan of a troubled man for troubled times, you know, that, that, uh, you know, if, if that doesn't address the zeitgeist, the current zeitgeist, uh, you know, he doesn't know what does. And then he right. went on to, went on to, uh, recount some of your, your, your great one-liners, uh, uttered during debates, you know? Yes. You, yes. This is it, what I've been told. And I hear, uh, there's a great little piece of artwork, you know, uh, 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 like a political button, right, you know, and stuff like that. But I have to get a copy. Someone's someone's saving a copy for me. They told me, but yeah, nice. it's, yeah, it's great. You know, it. Uh, you know, I just uh, I hope uh, maybe next year when it's time for the election, people will remember that article and and maybe say, you know, fuck this, man. We need a new vision. Yes, yes. Well, hopefully, you know, at the rate they're going, uh, you know, you may still have some of the Hard Rock Hotel to uh, to concentrate on getting cleared away. Right. Yes, I will. Yes. You know, there was something I wanted to talk about, and I'm looking at my notes. I wanted to talk about it a a week or so ago. Um, You know, the our city council has decided to rename. All these streets that have offensive uh, names or whatever, people in history, and um, they want to, you know, change Jefferson Davis and all this, all these stuff. But I was thinking about all these name changes that they're like approving, but 
so they're they're changing the names of these street signs from you know white people to black people so isn't that even going to cause more divide in 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 in, our, in the racism that is going on white people are going to be freaked out that now that their streets that they remembered are going to be named after black people why do we need you know when did it start when we had to name a street after a person you know i don't get it i don't get why does a street have to be named after a person you know because when it come when you come down to it everybody's prejudiced in one way or another everyone has a dislike for something or else and everyone you know, has faults, you know, everyone is, is, is flawed, but go on. Yeah. I mean, I just understand why we all of a sudden had to name streets after people. Why can't we just name like streets, like after objects, you know, like lamp mm -hmm. Boulevard or, okay. you know, sofa couch Avenue. You know, okay. why does it have to be named after a person? Cause you know, there's racism everywhere. You know, uh, white people hate these people. Black people hate these people. Asians hate these people. Hispanics hate these people. Uh, there's just uh, there's just racism in every race, you know. Hmm. And you know, I remember one time I I met uh, uh, Alex Haley. He came and spoke to my high school class. Alex Haley, who wrote that book Roots. Sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, and I went up to shake his hand, and I told him my uh, I, I told him my name was Manny, and he called me a dirty spick. You know, so, <laughs> you know, uh, so there's sure, racism Manny? everywhere. There's racism everywhere, man. Even well, from Alex Haley, um, you know, I'm all not, the way I'm, to Kunta Kinte, to OJ Simpson, to, uh, you know, uh, Marge Simpson. There's okay. racism anywhere. Okay. Well, you know, my wife has long said, uh, anytime you name something after a person, uh, you know, unless that especially someone who's still alive that's very dangerous but but you know the again the something could always come out about the person that that uh now in the in the the case of you know confederate generals it's it wasn't uh, any deep dark secret that came out about them that we suddenly discovered this was those streets were named that there was you know well known what their what what their reputation was. And that was, you know, intentional that they were named that as a, uh, you know, as a reinforcement of, of white supremacy here. And, you know, I'm, uh, now what the, the thing that, that the, the number of streets they're going to rename anytime they rename a street, it's a tremendous amount of, of expense involved in, uh, you know, people changing their stationary or, you know, the getting those, those, uh, you know, address changes through the system and, you know, the mail system, the, the post office is, is struggling as it is, man. Can you imagine if they rename 20 or 30 streets in New Orleans, uh, you know, how long it's going to take you to, to, to get a letter? I don't know. Well, you know, the, yeah, that's, that's a good point. But the other point is, is that there are streets here in New Orleans that don't have any kind of racial or political issue you know but they still pronounce it wrong you know like burgundy street yes you know, they, you they, they say burgundy you know so yes you know it, it's just the stupidity of people down here to, to call yeah. burgundy burgundy or uh cleo cl10 
and stuff right. like that. You know, it, yeah, it's I don't, just, I, I don't think they're going to address that in this. I don't think that's going to yeah, be addressed in this. Yeah, you know, this, or this, uh, uh, Calliope, uh, Calliope, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just yes. like, you know, if these fucking people were educated down here, you know, uh, it, that, that wouldn't really matter, I think, uh, with that, you know. But, you know, it is what it is. Okay. And, uh, you know, that's it. Well, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you've seen, there, there's been a couple of... Uh, television series that have come on lately that I've, I've been checking out. One of them was they had a new uh, treatment of the uh, Char- Charles Manson family, the, the Helter Skelter American Myth. I think it was on like Epic's channel or something. Another so one? Another one. I know. You'd think that, that we had seen all they had, but they, they, you know, and I've watched a lot of those things in the past, but they had footage I hadn't even seen before. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of stuff with the girls, you know, a lot of interviews with, uh, people. They even had, you know, contemporary interviews from, from earlier this year with, uh, Bobby Beausoleil and, you know, some of the other, the other players in it. So, you know, I'm always a sucker for that stuff. It's a, it's a, a dark chapter in American history. Yeah. Didn't one of the Manson girls get denied? parole like about a week ago yeah she's she gets denied parole every time yeah they're they're never gonna let the, those those girls out uh you know unless to fight fires okay they let prisoners out to fight fires huh okay and we have a lot of fires in california that's true that's you true know, is squeaky from still alive i you know that's a good question i i think she is I don't know. Right I like to... I had a thing for Squeaky back in the day. She was kind of cute. I would say yeah. I, I would agree with you. She had kind of a, a you know a, a bit of a wood nymph kind of a thing about her. Just the name Squeaky sounds like she'd do some good anal. Oh well, know? I don't know. I think her real name was Lynette, right? Lynette from. I don't um, know. She'll always be Squeaky to me. Okay, nice. Uh, well, so so then a sort of a companion show to that is is uh, America's Got Talent. Well, yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah. Because um, you know, ultimately Charlie was trying to to hit it big in the in the record biz. Um, uh, but uh, no, this group called uh, Nexium N X I U M. We talked about this early in the history of the podcast where they were, they were still going through the court case of this. It was this guy, uh, Keith Ranieri, and he had the backing of uh, like the, um, the, the Bronfman family from you know, Seagram's and uh, a bunch of Hollywood actors. This woman, Allison Mack, who I guess was on some Smallville show or something, but, and you know, a bunch of other kind of peripheral Hollywood people had... had signed on to this kind of cult that this little weirdo Keith Ranieri had uh, had started. And uh, it was sort of like Scientology mixed with uh, The Secret, you know, and, and a lot of kind of talk technology. And anyway, they sucked all these people in. They got them to produce videos that they could uh, blackmail them with if they ever left. They, uh, you know, took all their money. And, well, they're all in jail now. <laughs> or at least Keith Ranieri is, but uh, it's uh, the show on HBO called The Vow. It's, it's a couple of episodes have run. Maybe they have three or four more. So the Vow, meaning the valley? 
the vow, uh, V O W, like you take a oh. vow. Vow oh, the vow. Okay, and this has to do with Charlie. They were connected with Charlie. No, it's a cult. It's it, but it's it's it, it reminds me of that. It's a you know a parallel track of of uh, sort of a, a Svengali type, a guru who is. Uh, Are there reenactors in it? Um, no, actually, with this with this uh, the vow people, they filmed almost everything they did. So, and one of the guys that's talking was was one of the main uh, videographers in it. So they have access to tons of footage uh, of these people really doing this. And this was just a couple of years ago. Like I said, the guy just went to jail maybe like a year ago. And so, you know, they were active up until 2017, 2018, when, when it all was crashing down there. He's in jail for like sex trafficking. I think this... This girl, you know, several of the other women were were aiding him. You know, it's it's a whole sordid story, but uh, but pretty fascinating. You know, what is it? You know, it's weird because you hear like that Epstein guy, you know, mm-hmm. who who had a woman help him out. What, what does a guy have over a woman to have him to have her help her out help help him out so much with his you know with his uh, sexual exploits i mean the guy must have some kind of power if he's getting yeah, a chick that he's not even banging to get a, to get him chicks so he can right. bang you know it's so weird it's right. like you know that's, that's very strange like this chick epstein uh this epstein girl who's now in jail and uh or, or, yeah, she's, yes, so, yeah, she's, she, she's she's up on, get on charges yeah, yeah she's gonna think? get killed Oh yeah, they're gonna find some poison on her plastic spork in her jail yeah. cell. You know, uh, so what is what do you know? You, you gotta be a I don't know if it's special or just uh, it's a it's a some kind of weird gift to be able to uh, control someone. You know, someone of the opposite sex to get you the opposite sex and to do all these things against the opposite sex and you have no right. problem with it. Is yeah, it, it, yeah. you know, it's, it's very strange, you know, I was going to say, that's the woman that, uh, when someone brought up to the president, br- brought her up to the president, he said, yes, I wish her well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I don't know her, but I wish her well. Yeah. Right, and then there's and tons there's, of pictures of yeah, uh, them he, together him and the wife and Epstein and this and this woman. Yeah, yeah, they're good buddies. Crazy. I guess you know it all comes down to a lifestyle and 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 what the money can make your lifestyle, where right. you don't have to answer to anyone, you know. And um, it, it's kind of uh, sad, you know. It's it is sad. It is sad, man. Yeah. Anyway, so let's introduce our guests. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, this is the guy. Uh, uh, he's he's been coming down to New Orleans for for many years. Um, he's a, a singer, guitar player, songwriter. He's a voiceover artist and a, a radio DJ. He's had a long running uh, radio program in in his hometown of Milwaukee. Uh, uh, without further ado, Mr. Paul Seabar. Welcome, Paul. Hey there, fellas. Hey, welcome, man. Milwaukee, are you are you near the shit in uh, Kenosha? Are you near all that shit? Uh, it's probably about forty miles away, something like really? that. Really? 
Mm -hmm. You should drive down there right now while we're doing the show. While we're doing it, I, I'm not sure if my computer will go all the way there. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, you don't have okay. a long enough cord. Oh, okay. So otherwise, I, otherwise, Manny, I'd be glad to. Oh, uh, okay. So um, it, uh, that shit is hitting the fan down there. You know what? What I, I've never been to Wisconsin, never been. But um, so, what is the makeup of Wisconsin? I know you got cheeseheads and the Packers, and it's a, f a lot of farms and stuff. But what what kind of industry uh, is in in, in uh, Wisconsin? Well, many of them that have left, but it was it, in Kenosha. There was a large American Motors plant. Yeah, there was GMC plants. Yeah. There are a lot of uh, farm machinery companies, Harnish Fager, Case, um, International Harvester. All of these are kind of along the along the lake here. So Kenosha is just over the Illinois border, um, but along Lake Michigan. And then just above Kenosha is Racine. Then there's a place called Sturtevant, a place called Caledonia, and then Milwaukee ends up being you know, 30 or 40 miles up the, the lakefront. And you're in Milwaukee, right? I'm in Milwaukee, yeah. And, we're, and Green Bay is just like a hop, skip, and a jump, right? And about two hours north. Oh, really? It's, it's that far. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's that far. Okay. So you're born and raised in Milwaukee? This is true. So how does a Milwaukee guy, uh, uh, he grows up, he loves rock and roll or blues or jazz or... How do you end up uh, coming down to uh, New Orleans? Well, um, I like to think that it was working in a coal mine that brought me. But um, hmm. I went down to, to school in Sarasota, Florida, at a place called New College. And while I was studying, a group of us made a trip up to New Orleans. In about I think probably about 78. Okay. And how old are you then? You're in college. You're, what, 21 or something like that? Yep somewhere around there and um we came kind of on a whim and ended up having the car break down the typical uh good uh excuse to stay in new orleans a little longer and uh that trip kind of turned my head at least the beginning and then as i was learning to play music and kind of beginning to play music with others I fell in with a bunch of people here in Milwaukee when I got out of college. And um, you I, discovered Freebase? I discovered Alan Toussaint. Oh, basically. Alan Toussaint. Basically. Right on. And Professor Longhair. Now, you were saying when you came down for that first trip to New Orleans, you went to Tipitina's and saw James Booker on that trip, right? I did. I read, I read in the uh, Picayune that um, this guy was just getting ready to go on a European tour and that he was um, basically they were putting a very interesting face on him and uh, explained that he was a, a veteran and that he was uh, um, going to be playing. So I went and made my way to Tipitina's, which was at the time maybe about half the size. I don't know. I, it's, I find it hard to imagine now where, where, where right. we were, but it was the back, the, the back bar. And it was, right. a it was a, 
fascinating uh, pageant of humanity that came rolling through there. <laughs> James was playing a, a, a solo Hammond organ. Huh, so it was oh, really? a, an entire Hammond organ set. Oh, wow. And, and uh, it was a, it was a good uh, christening for New Orleans for me. Nice, nice. Now, you were telling me that you actually, when you were a little kid, you saw the Wild Magnolias up in Milwaukee, huh? I did. That was probably, I think of it as a pretty pivotal, pivotal day for me. I think it was actually later than I, than I remember it being. But it was uh, there was a the Lakefront Festival of the Arts takes place at right near the art museum here in Milwaukee along the lakefront, mm-hmm. and that was I I grew up on the north side, kind of the northwest side of Milwaukee. That was pretty much a a very diverse neighborhood for the times. Is that the neighborhood where Jeffrey Dahmer's from? Um, thankfully, no, that's not uh, the neighborhood. Okay, he was South Side or something. Well, he was. Probably about about a mile and a half west of where I'm right now, which is like a, a mile and a half west of downtown. Okay. But, but Dahmer did live in that hotel that the Iguanas used to stay in, right? That Hotel Wisconsin. I think he had he was sort of a residence hotel, and at one time he uh, he was a resident there. I think it was before his his uh, most of his activity. But did you know that? I did not know that. I've tried yes. to uh, try to steer clear of the details. Okay, well, <laughs> as a Milwaukeean, but um, sure, sure, I could see that. We're living well, it down. Well, seeing seeing those Mardi Gras Indians up there, you know, as a kid who'd never, you must have thought you were seeing people like from outer space or something. That must have blown your mind, huh? Well, I. It, it, it was so doggone inviting. It was basically, as best I can tell, it was Bo Dallas and Monk Boudreaux, and about okay. two or th- and two or three other guys. They were basically playing tambourines and singing the whole basic, you know, the whole liturgy of the great tunes. I remember following them around singing "My Big Chief Got a Golden Crown" with about I don't know, maybe fifteen other local people. You know, kind of following them around the the fairgrounds. Okay. That day, that day though was um, it was they played, and then Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers played, and oh. then Ola Ola Tunji played in the in the in the evening, and that was a he had about an eight eight or nine piece band. It was unbelievable, um, pivotal day for me in the sense that so much of the kind of music that I've grown up to play could really be summed up in all three of those bands, you know, even though I've, you know, gathered, gathered all kinds of influences from all over the place. Those three bands were really a kind of like a blueprint for what, what was going to be my sound some way, some way, somehow. Uh Uh-huh. Very cool. So you've had the band, uh, the Milwaukeeans, Paul Seabar and the Milwaukeeans. I know it's uh, you more or less have that same, some of those same guys in your your band now. Although are you st- are you now? Is it uh, Paul Seabar and Tomorrow Sound? Is that the yeah, current? That's that's right, Paul Seabar okay. Tomorrow Sound. But the, but we, your band, the Milwaukeeans, went back. You started that in the eighties, right? That's right, eighty six. Okay. Um, 
summertime 86 and we've been going ever since so you went to college in florida so is that just to get out of milwaukee just to go to florida was that or you just got accepted to that college i was looking for a wild-eyed uh, sort of uh, unstructured college situation well that and, would be florida well i was looking for a uh, Something along the lines of Reed College or Prescott down in Arizona or maybe uh, Bennington up in Vermont. But New College in Sarasota was about one-fifth of the cost of those places. And so that pretty much wrote the book on why I was down there. Well, the reason why, the reason why I bring that up is for, for a long time, Renee, Renee and I have talked about how Florida and Arizona are two of the states that um, – uh, there's something wrong with those states. There's just something weird. Very states, wrong. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, very weird states. Do you think stuff. it's just the A on the end? Maybe huh, I don't okay. know. I don't well, know. Louisiana I'm from, has one also, but uh, yeah, I guess that. I guess I'm from California. That's there. another A at the end, but uh, yeah, I don't think that theory's holding up. It, we. It always seems that we bring up stories about uh, you know, uh, there's always some weird news going on in Florida and Arizona, and also Indiana seems to be one of those states, too. Yes, again um, with the A at the end, so I don't know. Right, yeah. Uh, but uh, And you had a good time in Florida, though. Where Where is New College in Florida? It's in Sarasota, which is what, on the west or east? It's on the west coast, on the, on the Gulf. It's on the Gulf? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Well, that's cool. But it was a, it was a, it was a very good place. Great professors. That was kind of the deal. And now, what did you study there? I studied humanities. I was, you know, studying literature and philosophy, and then kind of okay. veered off into music history. Oh, okay. And so after that, you went back to Milwaukee, and you you started uh, putting bands together and playing. And I had started playing solo, kind of right before I went off to college and there were a lot of good players that we could mix it up with and kind of learn a lot. And, uh, there was one, one of my professors was a jazz pianist and was a very good, uh, music history guy. And I, I learned a lot from him and that kind of lit my fuse and I kind of went looking into early rhythm and blues and, um, kind of, continued playing solo and in small groups. And then when I got back from college, I kind of fell in with a bunch of people that had a band called the R and B cadets. Okay. And, and, uh, we started playing around. There was quite an active scene up here in, uh, Minnesota, in Minneapolis and in Milwaukee and in Madison, in Chicago, kind of all around this, this basin of the Lake Michigan. Mm-hmm. for like a dancing, you know, people into live dance music. And so it was a time where, you know, you could find an audience and you could, you know, find a way to build a community that uh, was there for the music and you were there for them. And Did you see Prince? Did you know of Prince then? I did not see him at the time. But you I, knew I, of I saw him? him later on. I didn't really know of him when we were coming up. There was a guy that was a part of the like kind of the the West Bank is in Minnesota in uh, Minneapolis, and that was kind of a sort of a hippie beatnik scene, 
that a lot of different people had come through. That's where Dylan had come through in the early 60s. And that's where there was still a lot of people playing and hanging around. And that I kind of became part of that scene. There was a, a guy named Willie Murphy, who was a magnificent musician. And he led a band, Willie and the Bumblebees. And they had kind of built this dance scene. And when the cadets came to, when I first came to town, I started playing in the folk scene there. And that, that too had been started by these guys like Kerner, Ray and Glover and different people that had come through. And um, there was, there was just a, a very active scene there. And I became quite interested in college. I started dancing myself and kind of realized that I had been a fool to not do it in mm -hmm. high school. And so I decided I wanted to be part of that. If you have a band that people can dance to, you can work so much more than if it's just a band that people will stand and listen to. Um, because, you know, people will, if it's a band that like a rock band that people are just going to go watch, you can play in a local area, maybe like once a month, maybe not even that often. But if it's a, a band that people can dance to, you can go and, and play people. They'll come to see you week after week. Yeah. Especially, you know, the, at that time it was golden. There were a lot of venues and there were a lot of people that were circulating there. You, know, you couldn't go home and watch every film ever made on TV. And, you know, you didn't have all of the entertainment options that were there. And there was an, an actual kind of groundswell of, of people that wanted to get out and dance to live music. And you yeah, still yeah. had to wear your mask though, right? Now you, now you would. Yeah. We're all in suspension now, but this was a, you know, early 80s was kind of when I was starting to do this kind of stuff. Well, so is everything all closed down in, in Milwaukee now, like it is in New Orleans? So all the, the bars are closed? Yeah. I okay. mean, there, there, are, there are suburban bars that are trying to have outdoor venues, and there are a couple in mm -hmm. town that have, you know, maybe a side yard that they're trying to do some live music in, but... And there definitely are people that want to try and see it, but it's, you know, it's too early. Right. So right. what kind of phase are you in? Because New Orleans is like in phase two, and, and they want to jump out into another phase where they're going to be able to get people back in bars and stuff. But it, it's just oh, so dangerous. Wow. It's going to yeah. be a while. Yeah. I mean, it's it's – we've had it – we're hamstrung. The, our governor had tried to keep things closed, and then the, the legislature and the right-leaning Supreme Court filed uh, charges or basically an injunction to, to rescind the shutdown order, and so they opened up earlier than and they should have. Than we should have. Yeah. And so there's a lot, there's a lot of backpedaling and a lot of you know the, the major i mean madison and milwaukee are still you know pretty well shut down um you know there are you know restaurants have very reduced um some have very reduced indoor seating but almost all are just doing you know outdoor and delivery and 
similar to many other places. I'm so sure. is the governor is Republican or Democrat for your he, state? Mercifully, he is a Democrat. And but everyone else is Republican. Am I right about that? Well, that's there's a there's a majority Republican in, yeah, the, in the legislature. A, yeah, that's okay. I remember seeing that. Yeah. For for instance, in in the last week, when uh, when the governor asked for the legislature to have a a hearing on police restructuring of police. They uh, shut the meeting down after 30 seconds. <laughs> Gee, was. <laughs> this meeting will come to order. This meeting is over. Yeah, Basically, that's how it was. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So let's get back to your music. Okay, how old are you? You're like... Uh, I'm, age. I'm 63 years old. Okay, so you're, you grow up in, in uh, Wisconsin and... And you're a young kid. You're like a middle school kid. What's on the radio that you're listening to? What do you like? What's what's on the radio? Well, I I often think about the things that stuck out. That that I mean, obviously, I was the generation that we were all watching Ed Sullivan when the Beatles yeah. came on, and uh-huh. and um, it certainly you know turned everybody's head to the radio. And we were walking around with our transistor for yeah. quite a, quite a few years. But I, I often think, like, working in a coal mine, Double Barrel by Dave and Ansel Collins and the Israelites were probably, like, the three tunes that sounded like they came from Mars or from a better <laughs> Earth than, than we had here. Okay, yeah. I, I, I totally get that. I totally get that. That's, that's really cool. And so from there, you, you but you've always played an instrument? You were, like, born with a guitar in your hand? or. I, I really did, I took it up kind of late. I took it up toward the end of high school. Okay. And okay. There, there was an active folk scene in Milwaukee. And so uh-huh. there was a, I was a non-drinking guy. And so I was trying to figure out things you could do at night. And that was a very inviting place. In a way I was the same way, man. I was a non-drinking guy. So I, I took up masturbating. Yeah. Well, I did. Okay. You know? Yeah, there weren't there weren't any good clubs for it here, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, there was plenty in LA for what I wanted to do. Oh, all right. nice, nice. You know. So you you take it out very late as a teenager and uh, you you start a band, I'm sure, right? You just start a band. No, I started because I was going out to these folk clubs. There was a guy named Bill Camplin who was kind of a a very benevolent uh sort of uh mentor type guy here. But there were a couple of great venues where I got a chance to see, like, you know, John Fahey and Sonny Terry and Brownie McGee. And um, I'm trying to think of who else, but uh, Leo Kotke and all these kind of folk slash blues people. There was an active blues scene, and I was able to see a bunch of good things. You know, Muddy Waters was still alive. Holland Wolf wow. was, a, was coming to town, but I, of course, missed him. I remember the... The week I turned 18, when I could have gone to the bars, I had enough to go to the bar one one night for that week. And um, one night was Sonny Terry and Brownie McGee. The next night was Howlin' Wolf. And the next night was Charles Mingus. Wow. Oh, and I was, a, I was a little, you know, whatever the heck I was, 18. So I had enough money to go to one. I went to Sonny and Brownie, and I never saw Howlin' Wolf, and I yeah. never saw Mingus. <laughs> Oh, uh, well, 
that's where you got to bum rush the door at that age. You got to weasel yourself in there. I know. I mean, that's that's what I, we used to do. That's what I should have done. Yeah. But I start, I started playing a solo acoustic, and I kind of played in that context because I I would that was kind of the scene that I came up in. But as I went off to college, and as I kind of grew to listen to a lot of different kind of music, I started having a hankering for the dance end of things. I'm I'm guessing that from some of that that early uh, uh, coffee house kind of folk scene, you you I notice in your playing. You have a lot of that, uh, it's like a very contrapuntal style, sort of, uh, you know, it's a very rhythmic, uh, you know, I love rhythm guitar players that, that have a distinctive style. It's a very dancey style that you play. It's, well, but that, thank you. Would, would you say it kind of comes out of that, like not a straight R&B? Uh, well, I, think there, I think there was a lot, you know, I think Mississippi John Hurt was real important to me in the, in the okay. beginning. Somebody turned me on to him, and I started listening to that a lot and started thinking about how to play in that kind of way. Mm-hmm. And then as I went to college, I think the first day I was there, I met a bunch of people from the East Coast, and they had all Taj Mahal records and Ry Cooter records. And I remember hearing them my first week there, and I think you know those records have set my sales for the next you know 50 years. <laughs> Nice, nice. And so, so I mean, uh, whatever I've gathered from you know Taj's whole finger picking thing and and Rye's finger picking thing, I think they are really like standing behind my guitar style as best I can tell. Right on. Well, Manny, I'm looking at our drinks and the time. You think it's uh, time to take that that uh, cocktail break? Yeah, yeah, we're gonna take a break and uh, go get go get a uh, libation, and we'll be right back, Nation. All right. And we're back. Back with Mr. Manny Chevrolet. I am Renee Coman. Back with our guest, Mr. Paul Seabar. Um, well, you know, Paul, I don't know if you've heard, uh, we, we have a, a great product that we're affiliated with the last few months. And uh, I have been hearing. So I've been hearing. You've been hearing good things about, about this product, right? He's heard some things. What yes. do you hear? You heard things. I heard yes. some things. What'd you hear? I heard some things. What'd you hear? <laughs> things. things. I heard things. But good Paul, good things. Completely yeah, good things. Yeah, 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 yeah. What kind of things do you hear? I heard some things. Okay. And the thing you heard about uh, was the Velo Bar. Yes. Exactly. Bar. Yeah. You heard about the Velo Bar. And I don't know if you know this, but it's a healthy protein bar that fills you up and calms you down. But the greatest thing about this bar it's got 25 milligrams of CBD per bar. Perfect dose to take that edge off, a little stress that you're feeling and all that. And who doesn't need relief right now? Everyone's freaking out. Okay. And you know what, man? It's a plant-based protein, healthy superfood ingredients, pumpkin seeds, hemp hearts, chia seeds. It's a stress relief bar. It's great for breakfast. I I I, uh, I I I eat them like sticks of butter. They're mm-hmm. so good, you know. <laughs> and uh, and right now, man, if you go to velobarcbd.com to order some of these great bars, you can get fifteen percent off your order by using the troubled. What is it? The troubled men one five promo code and get fifteen percent off and yes. free shipping. Free mm. shipping is what we love. Are we talking V E L O B A R? 
Yes, V E L O B A R C B D dot com. And, oh, yeah. and they've got two beautiful flavors a dark chocolate and a peanut butter, which will just knock you out. And, and go to their website, man, just read the reviews. People are loving this. People who like jog and, and, and have joint pain, but still want to run and do their thing in the morning, these things are great for them. And uh, it, it's a great product. And, and the, the CEO of the company was on our show uh, a while back. And he just embarrassed the shit out of himself. But he's a good guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the yeah, first a, time on the mic. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, he's first not, time not used on to the being mic. in front of uh, people. Yeah, and uh, he's a good guy. And um, so, yeah, so check it out. The nation knows all about this. They, they know. I, I, we just have to inform our guests so they can put it out there to their friends and they'll put it out. It'll be like a Calgon, you know, so on and so on and so on. Okay. So yeah, check yeah, it yeah. out, man. Velobar.com, velobarcbd.com to order, and, 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 and get ready, Nation. There's going to be some new product coming out very soon. Yes. So check yes. it out. All right. Yeah, yeah, check it out. Tell all your friends. And, you know, you're, you're like right near the, the action where, uh, where there's rioting and, and protests and stuff. And maybe you can tell these people to, you know, eat a Velobar. Maybe calm them down a little bit. Right, 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 right. If I do get anywhere near... That's what yeah. I'm. That's what I'll be doing. But you're steering clear <laughs> for the most part. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 wise. That's wise. Well, you know, as always, we like to uh, invite the uh, Troubled Nation to, if they want to support the podcast directly, they can uh, get on the the show notes. There's a link there, or on the Facebook page, and uh, you can contribute directly to our operating expenses, and uh, you know, buy us a cocktail, and you know, buy yourself one while you're at it. And you know, Manny. Um, this week we had since since our last show we had the highest download counts ever in the history of the podcast. I don't know what that means. What does that mean? Well, we're 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 at a peak. We've we, you know we we were we were building to a peak before the uh, before the plague hit, and then I told you it kind of dropped down because everyone was so obsessed with uh, watching you know news coverage of the plague, and then it's kind of slowly built its way back up to. To that same level and then in the last week it totally surpassed that so so we we reached an all-time new high of of listenership and downloads this week well you know what you know the reason why why is that me me it's okay. not you it's me well, it's uh, a chris, uh, chris rose piece yeah, i think yeah, it's, I think me, it's the show yeah. that's right well you know the one thing about the chris rose piece uh, he told me that he was uh he was writing it and i said well see if you can 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 we get the uh, the the Troubleman podcast link in there? And he goes, "Yeah, let me try." Well, he didn't do that, so I, you know it's uh, it's a little bit of a bone to pick. But uh, I think it I think it might be the Michael Hurt bump. Okay, Mike Hurt, Michael Hurt bump bump. It could be. Well, you know, so I wanted to say, you know, uh, Troubled Nation, if you if you if you're digging the podcast, you know, share it with your friends. You know, if you think you know some degenerate that that might enjoy this this kind of uh, banter, you know. Uh, Email them a link or something, you know. Uh, you know, you, you don't have to contribute uh, monetarily, but you can contribute to the, uh, the 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 expansion of the show. Okay, cool. moving on. Um, so, so Paul, when I first met you, uh, it might have been before the iguanas were even on the road, because you were coming down here to New Orleans like every jazz fest for I don't know. 30 years, 40 years or something since, since 81. So okay. it, it would have been 40 years this year. 
Wow. So now, somehow you were friends with Derek Houston, who was who was who was was in our band. I think that's how I first met you. How did you know Derek Houston? He's from D.C. and and you're we had, from Milwaukee. We met at Jazz Fest. Uh, actually, oh, okay. we met specifically at Eddie's uh, restaurant on Law Street. We were both over there playing the jukebox as as um, Andrew Young walked in for his carryout. <laughs> really? <laughs> it was a it was a pretty auspicious way to meet. And, and you got, uh, he just started chatting you up as he, as he often does. Sure. We, we kind of both kept seeing each other at every, every, you know, Eddie Bo show or every show that we, we're trying to see everybody that uh, I'd bought the records of I and was hoping to see him play, you know, maybe we'd just seen Snooks or something. Mm-hmm. And, and you both uh, had that kind of thrift store hipster, uh, uh, vibe, you know, so you might have felt a little bit of kinship there. I think that probably the cut of our jibs matched in some way, yes. <laughs> okay. I, I do think so. What was the, what was the, wait, wait, excuse me, what was the yeah, name of ahead. this restaurant again? What was the name of the restaurant? It's called Eddie's. It's the same people that, that have little dizzies now, the Baquette family. Oh, on Esplanade? Yeah. Oh, okay, 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 yeah, okay. Go but ahead, they, I'm sorry. But they were on Law. It was the 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 uh, father was Eddie, Eddie Baquette. Actually, the son is now the editor of the New York Times. Oh, yeah, yeah, That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite, a, quite an auspicious family. Absolutely, absolutely. And magnificent maker of fried chicken, amongst other things, gumbo and fried chicken, <laughs> or trout Baquette. That place was always impossible to find for me, you know. I mean, I'm from New Orleans. We'd say Law Street, and it's like, well, I know where Law Street is. And then you try to find that place. I don't know. I can remember actually giving up a couple of times. It's like get lost in the neighborhood. It's like, I don't know. I'm, I, I, I can't stick with this. <laughs> you had to kind of go out Claiborne, and then you had to kind of wind back down under the, the overpass. And, right. But it was, it was well worth it. It was a fantastic place. Nice, nice. So then when the Iguanas did finally get up to, uh, you know, a couple of years into our, our career, got, got up to uh, Chicago, we played that uh, Great American, uh, I mean, the, uh, what was it, the, at Fitzgerald's, what was that called, the American well, Music Festival? American Music Festival at, at Fitzgerald's, yeah. Right, that was the first time uh, Bill Fitzgerald saw us at, at uh, the Maple Leaf one Sunday during Jazz Fest, and he invited us up there, our first trip to, to Chicago, playing there with all those bands. You know, you'd have like 10 bands a day, and, and the Milwaukeeans were, were, you know, going great guns. You had the big band, you had several horn players, the girls in the band. Uh, yeah, Robin Plure and Julie Wood. Right. Yeah, that was Paul Shear was in the band, right? I think so at that point. Yeah, yes. seven piece. Yeah, I, I had seen you guys um, play at the um, court. What does it call the Palm Jordan? Court? Yeah, Palm Court with Steve huh. Jordan. That oh, wow, time, you were at that gig. That's crazy, man. I was at that gig, which was amazing. Yeah, and, man. God, Steve that, Jordan. Holy cow. Yeah. That was an amazing thing to see. I mean, it was wonderful to see you guys for the first time, but that was uh, mind-blowing to see that guy. Yes, the Jimi Hendrix of the button accordion. That's right. 
So then we ran into you up in, in Chicago, and that was like the maybe the first time our bands played together because you were on on that that first bill. And then mm-hmm. for years after that, we we do shows with you in Milwaukee and and you know all all through the area. Uh, you know, um, mm-hmm. yeah. We ultimately share the booking agent, and that kind of brought us to some of the same venues a lot. Right. So which right. was it. Which is a great pleasure, actually. And the Milwaukeeans are one of those storied bands that uh, that a lot of people have gone through. You know, I was I was looking at all the all the people, um, and you know, I, I noticed something about about your drummer who's been with you a long time, Reggie Reggie Bordeaux, yep. and something mm-hmm. I didn't real about, realize about him. Manny, you were mentioning Prince. Apparently, Reggie played with Prince at one time, huh? Well, he played. At Paisley Park, he was in a band called Sonny Boy, and they were a kind of a development band. Mm, okay. uh, and so I don't think he ever explicitly played with Prince, but he was involved in that kind of that whole management scene. Okay, gotcha. And so he was hired. I think they played a couple of shows where Prince would have a party for the release of a record, and, and then they would play for that party. And um, Reggie is an enormous fan and, uh, you know, takes a lot of sustenance from Prince's music. Um, nice. But right before he joined me, he was up in Minneapolis in that band, Sonny Boy, and they had just split. His mother was my librarian at at a library here in Milwaukee. I was kind of on a early on the... Uh, uh, African-American literature and uh, kind of cultural thought. And so I was always trying to find whatever books were in the Milwaukee library system. And his mother, Narvis, was a great help to me. She would find me you know, every kind of monograph on Zora Neale Hurston that you could find. But I Narvis was her name? Yes, Narvis was her name Oh, Yep. That's a weird name. <laughs> That's a weird name. <laughs> Yeah, she insists I call her Mrs. Bordeaux. Yeah, okay. no, I like that. And her 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 husband was the first jazz drummer that I ever actually saw live. His and his name was Baltimore Bordeaux, which I think is one of the finest. That's yes. a cool name. Yeah, definitely, yeah. that's a cool name. So, so you've been doing your. I was listening to your radio show yesterday, and. Uh, man, you have such a breadth of, of, of knowledge about all this different music. You know, you'll play, you know, like some African stuff and then you'll play, you know, like uh, uh, some R&B and, and uh, you know, you're playing a, a bunch of Chuck Prophet's new record and then The Clash. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's such a su- such a, a, a wide understanding of music. Um, well, and you, you've you've been doing that since since back there, you know, in the uh, in the eighties, right? Yeah, uh, it's like early eighties. I started doing uh, kind of guest spots, and then got my own show in about eighty three, I think. So it's um, it's been a long term project. I guess I've tried to explore. I mean, not unlike what the Jazz Fest has done for me in terms of. Uh, opening my ears up to all the different tributaries that flow into New Orleans and that flow into whatever music we have in this country. And I think, you know, at various junctures, 
we're in a, you know, in a very uh, kind of isolationist place. And I've always felt like music has opened and travel around the world has opened my, my eyes wider than anything. So, you know, I took trips to Cuba. I took a trip to Brazil. I took a trip to Trinidad all in basically in the same spirit in which I came to jazz fest in the beginning, which was basically to try and see every kind of great music that I loved, like where it came from and how, and how it, it arose. And, you know, the kind of the, spirit that made you want to go find out where Earl King hung out, which donut shop that was. And mm-hmm. Right. So, and you, so that, that show is every week or, or three weeks out of the month on uh, WMSE on Wednesdays. That's, is that right? That's right. It's called way back home. Um, two weeks on one week off. Okay. Well, we'll put the, uh, we'll put the, the, uh, the link to your show in the show notes. If anybody wants to, to check out Paul's show, it's a, it's a That'd be fantastic great. show. Do two weeks straight every night for two weeks. <laughs> two weeks on, one week off. So I'm, oh. I'm on from nine till noon on Wednesday morning. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So it's it's every Wednesday. Okay. I uh, got if good. if you want me to, Manny, though, I'll, I probably would. Do I that. couldn't do it. I don't think anyone could do that. It'd be crazy. Yeah, it'd be crazy. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Well, it, now, Paul, is that how you got into the the doing voiceover work, being on it the is, radio? Oddly enough, it is. There was a guy that worked at an ad agency in town that had a kind of uh, Wednesday morning uh, date with my show, and so he huh. he would listen, and he was listening through all these these kind of um, demo reels that people had sent in, and then he was hearing me talk on the radio. And he called up and said, you know, I wondered if you'd be interested. We've got this local furniture store. And, you know, basically, uh, I became the voice of Steinhoffel's furniture there for a few few years. (laughs) Well, that's cool. Yeah. Not unlike the Velo Bar. No, well, I don't know who the voice of the Velo Bar is. I I think Danny. I, I could be, yeah, but I mean, I think there's other voices doing it, promoting it also. So you, you, you've uh, you've done a lot of other voiceover work for like commercials and uh, yeah, over the past twenty years or so. What's been your favorite? Uh, I don't know about that. Uh, well, probably, the, the, the best pain one was probably your favorite, right? Yeah, that uh, that does sort of turn the old chain there. Yeah, <laughs> which I which. That was long enough ago that I can't remember what that was, Manny. The money was long ago spent. That's right. So are you a married man with children? I am a a not married man with no children, but I have been living with Cynthia here for about, oh, about right. 20, 20 years or so. Well, what are you going to make an honest woman of her, man? I think uh, she's trying to make an honest man of me. There you go. First go. things first. Well, so uh, something else that, that I wanted to ask you about, you know, you're from the Midwest and I noticed that you were that uh, the Milwaukeeans, Paul Seabar and the Milwaukeeans uh, appeared on the Prairie Home Companion uh, radio show. Is that correct? Yeah, that's true. What, yeah, we, we, now, we were on about three, three or four times, I think. Now, coming from New Orleans, I got to tell you, 
that's a show that we don't really understand here. It's, uh, you know, I know it's, it's a long-running show. It's very popular, and people in the Midwest love it. I know Joe Cabral's from Omaha, Nebraska, and he, he's, he likes it. And to me, it's like a dog watching television. It's like I, I, I don't understand what's, what's going on, but, but you do. Oh, I do. I, I mean, it's, okay. it's, it's not in existence anymore. But it, okay. um, the, the milieu that I was working in when I went, first went up to Minneapolis, uh, Garrison was a, a radio host on a morning show um, when I first started going up there as a solo musician. And he had already started Prairie Home Companion, but at that time it was very, very regional. And um, I remember it was about 13 below, and I had to go to uh, St. Paul in a snowstorm to uh, be on his show in the morning. And uh, he was a, a true fan of music and uh, in, a, in a very uh, extremely dry way, um, kind of really supported a lot of different people that were coming through that were playing. And I think through the years, you know, he, he gave a, a lot of support to, uh, you know, you know, it wasn't a wide swath that be in the beginning, but I think ultimately it, there were an awful lot of people that appeared on the show. And during for many years, it was like the the um, brought in the most money for uh, for NPR. Um, right, kind of helped to float the the whole rest of the uh, programming. Yeah, it's wildly but, popular. You know, I guess uh, again, it's a, a regional thing that that well, the, we we don't quite get down here. Well, there was definitely a. I mean, because they use verbs, Renee. Okay, I, maybe that's, that's it. Maybe. Why? Maybe have, that's why. That's why they don't get it down here because they use proper English and verbs. <laughs> that may you may be correct, Manny. Yeah. Well, radio is a wild beast, man, and he yeah. he actually built a crazy vehicle that he rode pretty hard for a long time. Yeah, no. Well, kidding, I remember man. seeing him on PBS because that's where I got to know. I didn't really get to know him on NPR, but I remember he had his PBS specials, and I thought they were they were odd and, and weird, and I didn't get a lot of it, but I got some of it, and I was thoroughly entertained. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, but then they, they tried to make a movie about it. Actually, I think. Yeah, Robert Robert Altman. Yeah, he tried to make a movie and he just didn't get it. I don't think it just didn't it just didn't go to film. It was weird. He had the cast. The cast was wrong. He had like Meryl Streep and Lindsay Lohan as mother and daughter. It it hmm. just didn't it didn't work, you know. And yeah. he's um, dead now, though, right? No, he's a, he's alive. He's alive. He, oh, I thought he died. <laughs> no, there was a. He's still he's still around. He's writing. Oh, good for him. I mean, he always he always claimed to have a face made for radio, and I think yeah, there you go. Yeah, I had a great time. We we ended up going on a one of a, the cruises that he did through the Caribbean, wow. and that it actually was extremely. Uh, much more fun than I expected it to be. It was. Oh well, that's cool. Uh, it was a great trip. Because I would never get on a cruise ship. Never. I. I just think. Uh, In this, at this point, it's probably there. Are not many people going to be getting on them. No. For a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
But since since I was a young young person, they, I never I I've been invited to go on Disney cruise ships and stuff, and just there's just no way. There's no way I I I I can't do it. There's just no way. There's no way you're getting me on a cruise ship for any amount of time, because after an hour or so, I just want to get back on land. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? yeah, I, I can't do it. Can't do it. Won't do it. We'll, well never do it. Next time they offer it to me, I'm not going to come to you, Manny. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Don't, yeah I'm gonna. Go. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm gonna let him know. There you go. Yeah. Land loving. Land loving uh, Manny. Yeah. Landlock Manny. Mm-hmm. That's me. Okay. You know. Well, so Paul. So now you have uh, the Paul Seabar and the Tomorrow Sound, and uh, it's a, more of a stripped down band these days. I, I know you guys aren't currently playing, but uh, you know you're still writing music, still putting out music the band was was touring up until they shut all of that down that's right actually our last gig was a nice one it was at fitzgerald's with los lobos actually so it was uh it's a good way to think of things musically as we've been kind of looking at our hands a lot (laughs) 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 but um yeah we're 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 a going concern there's we're four piece now Back in the day that you were talking about, we were a seven-piece. So we've got uh, Bob Jennings handling keyboards and a saxophone. So at least it keeps right. the reed the reed sound in play. Right. And then I and I've been I used to carry an ex, another guitarist to mainly play slide and different kind of other kind of lead stuff. But I I pulled back on that maybe fifteen years back, and I've just had myself. But, um, I mean, I took a lot of, a lot of influence from Snooks and Earl King and people like that for my guitar style as well. So I, I guess I wanted to update it from the Ry Cooter and Taj Mahal stuff that we was talking about before. Can we see any rock videos of you? Um, I've never made an actual, uh, oh, really? okay. an actual one, but there's a lot of live footage up there. A lot of oh, stuff on YouTube, right? You can find uh, Paul yeah. Seabar and the Milwaukeeans and Paul Seabar and Tomorrow Sound okay, on YouTube. Cool. Yep. You're such a sweet guy. I was looking at a picture of you today and it was your, you know, very kind face looking out. And I was thinking, you know, Paul's such a nice guy. Do you ever get pissed off at, at people? Do you ever have a grudge that you carry? I mean, is, is there a dark side to Paul Seabar? <laughs> After tonight, there will be. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would have to say that the, uh, the, the level of mendacity in the air at this point in, in our lives is, uh, is a extremely anger-making. Okay. And... And I have, <laughs> I have to say that maybe my, uh, I still am keeping a sweet face on it, but uh, I, I would say that I'm basically infuriated every day. <laughs> yeah. Join the club, man. Join the club. Yeah, yeah. I think we're all trying to manage it day to day. Every day I get up and I think, okay, how do I, uh, you know, uh, manage my emotions? How do I... Uh, you know, feel positive about what I have to do and, and what will that be? And it's, it's difficult, man. It's challenging. Yeah. 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 It's one word, man. Alcohol. Okay. <laughs> one word. That's the one I forgot to, I forgot to do that. 
Yeah. Now, basic, basically, Manny, I spent every penny that I would have spent on heroin and alcohol, and I bought records. Oh, so, so man, right. that's cool. And you still have them. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to refurbish my, you know, I, ha- I used to have a really great vinyl collection. I had like over 500 pieces of vinyl, you know, back in Los Angeles, and I lost half of them to a mudslide in the Hollywood Hills. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And so for the last... 10 years or so I've been trying to find those records again. And mm-hmm. I, with the help of a former guest, Lefty Parker, he's oh, helping oh, yeah. me uh, find some old vinyl. And he just found, I, I had this Dr. No soundtrack, the James Bond movie, Dr. No. Sure. And it got, it got destroyed in the mudslide and Lefty found it for me. So I've got one, I got one more piece of vinyl back. It's beautiful. Okay, because uh, I I I love uh, movie soundtrack vinyls. Uh, that was one of my favorite things ever. Yeah, do you have the, do you have Touch of Evil? Uh, no, I don't have that. I never had that, but I know it's a great one. <laughs> it's great. And but I have like more more. Uh, cont- you know, I have like sure. I have I have all. I Lefty's trying to get all my James Bond soundtracks back. I, I'm still waiting on Goldfinger and Thunderball. But I have um, You Only Live Twice and Dr. Known from Russia with Love and uh, Your Majesty's Secret Service. I just I really want just the Sean Connery ones, really, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But I also uh, uh, just got, um, I just found, I thought it was damaged, but it's actually in very good condition, um, Bernard Herrmann's uh, Taxi Driver soundtrack, mm-hmm. the last soundtrack he did. Yeah, yeah. Which nice. is fabulous. It's such a fabulous sound, uh, a piece of vinyl. And the best thing about it is, is you have the De Niro, uh, You Talking to Me. It's on there? Yeah, it's <laughs> on that vinyl, You yeah. Talking to Me, which is so brilliant, you know. So I'm getting back. Uh, you know, I lost about 300 records, and I've got maybe oh, 10 man. of them back in the last few years. Oh, and, uh, but it, it's, it's a hobby. You know, it's yeah. something, you know, it's something to keep me busy while we're all locked up right. with our families. Well, mm-hmm. shout out to uh, Lefty Parker over at Euclid Records. Uh, you know, yeah, Lefty, he's a good guy. Yeah, uh, a few of our guests who who you know, working musicians, they've they have pulled it back to uh, just their radio shows. You know, we had uh, Jesse Dayton on. He's he's just operating his radio show and. You know, releasing mm-hmm. records, but uh, his, you know, and then Chuck Prophet, uh, you know, has his radio show on uh, 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 GimmeCountry.com. Jesse Dayton has a show on that same that same network. But uh, I noticed I was saying that that in your playlist from yesterday, you you had several of of several cuts from Chuck's new record, uh, uh, "Land That Time Forgot." Terrific record, huh? I think it's tremendous. It's just yeah, uh, man. Quite an amusing and wonderfully uh, talented guy. I enjoyed him on this show, actually, a couple of weeks ago, whenever that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, he's a good guy. He's the guy from San Francisco, Renee. That's yeah. right. That's yeah, 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 yeah. He's yeah, a good guy. His record just came out, uh, you know, on I think the like the twenty first of August or something, and and I see every day more reviews coming in, you know, 
uh, four and a half star reviews from, uh, you know, like Rolling Stone Europe, uh, you know, NPR features is something every day. This is going to be a big record for Chuck, man. Everybody go check that record out. So, so in today's times, can you actually buy the record or you just download it? How does that well, work? Well, you can actually buy the record and, you know, you can order it and they'll, they'll send it to your house. I think you could probably order one that Chuck even signed, you know, and, right. and, uh, but would you, I wouldn't even trust getting vinyl shipped, you know, yeah, have, I think they put it in a strong cardboard box. Yeah. They figured it out. They can do it for you, man. We have a, a couple of our record stores are open. You can, for a limited, like one of them, you can have five people in there at once. And, well, you can make appointments, apparently. Yeah, like that's Lefty, right. Lefty takes appointments at Euclid. Yeah. He'll take an appointment, you know, you want to go in there and browse for an hour, he'll take your appointment, you know, that kind of thing. Yes, Con concierge service. Yeah, exactly, you know, exactly. So what's in the future for Paul Seabar and Tomorrow Sound? What do you guys have going on uh, you know, at the moment? Well, just before the lockdown, we had started working on the next band record. And um, I was excited. We worked a little bit with Alex Hall down in Chicago, who's part of the Flat Five and has been involved with all kinds of great projects down there. But uh, it's a time to pause and reflect for many. And so uh, I've been looking through, I have a couple of projects that are already finished and I've been trying to see if any of those make sense to release at this point. Well, cool. Very cool, man. Yeah. You hope to put something out in the, in the water and let's see if it floats. Right, right. Absolutely, man. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, time marches on. But listen, I think we have a podcast, Renee. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it right. seems like it, man. Paul, thank you. It's, uh, you know, I've been wanting to get you on for a long time and, you know, a long time friend with such a, a fascinating life. Uh, yeah, I'm so, so glad we were able to put this together. Well, thank you. I'm glad to have been here, fellas. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry I'm in so much pain, but uh, you, you've Me been too, great. Man. You really have. This is as close to New Orleans as I'm getting, I think, this year. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> pretty much, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> You take care, buddy, all right? And uh, as we always say, uh, what do we say, Renee? Uh, in the Trouble Nation, we like to say, uh, trouble never ends. But the struggle continues. Good night. Good night. Si se puede. I see many ways of me. Mess with things that I'll not mess with. The feeling of finding one. I 
some crazy bed Bound to break out.